The following edition of Pirates Talk with guest Tony Bazella, the Seton Hall women's basketball head coach, was recorded last week. Two quick notes. The interview took place before the school released the team's non-conference schedule, which they did earlier this week. The Pirates will now open the season on Wednesday, November 25th against Ryder. They will open their Big East schedule against Butler on the first Friday in December. Also, in a discussion about his team, Bazella spoke of Maya Bembry, a transfer who played for Penn State last season. At the time of the recording, Bembry and the school were waiting for the NCAA's decision on her eligibility to play this season. That decision was announced yesterday. Bembry was granted a waiver by the NCAA and is eligible to play immediately. She has three years of eligibility remaining. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Pirates Talk. I'm Matt Laughlin. The Seton Hall University women's basketball team is set to begin its season on Friday, December 4th, on the road against Butler. The weekend concludes with a home game on Sunday, December 6th against UConn, perhaps the greatest women's basketball program ever, and back in the Big East for the first time in seven years. Tony Bazella, a Seton Hall grad, class of 89, begins his eighth year as head coach of his alma mater. He's taken the Hall to the postseason in five of his first seven years at the helm, and the only thing that stopped the team's sixth bid was COVID-19, which stopped our world cold in its tracks and occurred just after the Hall had been eliminated in the semifinal round of the Big East tournament, finishing with an overall record of 19-12. There would be no NCAA tournament, no tournament bid, although the Hall would have surely been extended one if not for the virus. Coach Bazella is my guest on this edition of Pirates Talk. We touched upon many topics, including UConn's return to the conference. I began by asking him if those returning players who had their season so abruptly halted have a different attitude about the game, knowing what was taken away, and knowing that there will be a season, but one that will force everyone involved to work hard to ensure that that occurs. I, I do think it's a little different than that. I, I think. Our, our kids, you know, the time away from basketball really, I think, rejuvenated their love of the game. Because you, you have to remember, on the men's and women's side, basketball's, you know, almost 12 months of the season between, you know, playing your high school year, then playing AAU, then getting to college, and then playing, and then doing workouts. Like, it's hard. Like, it's a grind. And I think, you know, being away for it from that time and then knowing there's still some uncertainty about playing, I think their love of the game has really shown out. I had minimal practices or even practice times during practice where I've had to try and motivate the kids. Um, and in the past you had to a lot more and, you know, we've been going since approximately August 1st, so it's August, September, October, and now we're in the middle, you know, we're starting November over three months and, and we have practiced well and we've practiced with enthusiasm and, you know, in the past at this time, you know, week, you know, before the year, or we would just actually have had our first game um, today. Um, you know, the kids would be like, oh, thank God we're playing. Let's, you know, I'm tired of practice. Now they're like, they're excited to play, but not because of not practicing, just because they missed the game. So I see a lot, a big difference. And, and I think, you know, having that taken away from them has really rejuvenated them. Uh, speaking with Tony Bazella, as his team gets ready at Seton Hall to begin their season, you 
Graduated your top two scorers from last year, Shadeen Samuels, Alexi Lewis, Alexis Lewis. And you said at Big East Media Day that replacing Shadeen is our biggest issue. That was a couple of weeks ago. Has it remained so? Is it still the same issue or you have a better idea of who's going to be able to give you some of what she got, gave you? You know, it might come from two or three people as a com- combination thing, but have you figured things out a little bit? Yeah, you know, Matt, it's going to have to come from a bunch of different people. I, I think, you know, Shadeen's numbers were down last year because of her injuries and, 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 and obviously missing some games. But it's not her numbers that we need to replace. It's just her on the court. She's a tremendous defender. I think the best defender in the Big East. I've always said that. So she could play a guard. She could play a forward. She was a great help defender. Um, she anticipated really well. She covered, you know, multiple mistakes by other kids. Um, so we don't have a kid like that. I mean, if we did, it'd be great, you know. Desiree has really, Desiree Elmer has really stepped up her defensive game. And I think she'll be a tremendous help defender. And I think she'll be tremendous, um, you know, with covering up some people's mistakes. But, you know, is Desiree going to be able to guard the other team's best player? Now also being asked to be our top scorer. Uh, Shadeen didn't have to be our top scorer because of Alexis Lewis, because of Desiree, because of, you know, Amaya Jackson is here, even a Barbara Johnson. I mean, they were all double digit scores you know we don't have as many other scores right now so we need Des to score and then the defense so Shadeen's gonna be a problem and then Alexis Lewis played tremendous second half of the year like like that's a you know that's gonna be a big thing now I do think we have some good players I think we're playing well as a team um our backcourt's gotten a lot better older Lauren Parkland and Maya Jackson I think they're tremendous players I mean Lauren Parkland has improved as much as any kid I've coached in a long time she used the um pandemic to really work on her game like she's much better Maya Jackson's much better so you know those kids are gonna have to step up but I am worried defensively I'm not gonna lie because Shadeen was that good well it is uh big shoes to fill no question have you found in your coaching career though Tony and I'm thinking about Desiree Elmore who was named preseason all big east entering her senior year maybe she felt she was somewhat in the shadows of uh, uh, Shadeen Samuels, uh, a big personality. And now this is her team. This is her last year. Have you found that players, they won't admit it necessarily, but they defer to an alpha dog who maybe is a year or two older, but then when it's their time, they become the alpha dog? I think that's why you're one of the best interviewers around because you are dead on right with that. Because that is an issue. And it's an issue a lot in men, but it's really an issue a lot in females. They love to defer and because of respect and because of, you know, different things like, you know, friendships and wanting to play together and wanting to be a great teammate. Like girls really think about that a lot. And I do. I think Des is going to she was a unanimous first team all Big East player, one of only three people to be unanimous, I I think. Um, And I think, you know, now she knows it's her time. Um, but it's hard to be the top dog, the top banana, as I always call it. It's hard because now you're being guarded by the team's best player. Now you're the focus of the thing. And, you know, we're lucky um, in, in practice this year, you're allowed to have um, your managers um, play against the players because you can't bring practice players in because you of the COVID rules. So uh, we have some really good basketball players that are managers. So they're able to really challenge Des this year. And, you know, a couple of times Des has gotten frustrated. And I said to Des, Des, this is what's going to be like all 30 regular, 28 regular season games, whatever it may be. And she's like, you know, Coach B, I got it. I got it. And she's continued to get better through our practices. 
Um, because of it, it's it's hard. It's hard to be the top banana. It's hard to be the you know the ace after you've been number two for a long time. It's hard to be you know that. But she's gotten better, and we've pushed it on her um, in, in terms of push. You know how hard we're playing against her, and you know putting some real talented you know, actually men against her. So she's getting there. Um, I do think she's up for the challenge and I think she's going to have a great year. I mean, we need her to have a great year, Matt. I mean, I'm brutally honest with you. She will lead the way for sure. You're a very young team. She is uh, one of just two seniors. Jasmine Smith is the other, but it's not like you're inexperienced. You mentioned Lauren Park Lane. She started every game last year. Maya Jackson was a Big East All freshman team selection. So you've got some experience there. What do you think your team will look like this year? What will be the hallmark of Seton Hall's basketball this season? I think our pace is getting better. I think we're top 20 in the country in pace per possession last year. I think our goal is to be in the top 10 this can, year. Can you just tell me what that is exactly, pace per it, possession? It, 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 it's how many how, how many possessions you get in a game and how fast your pace is. So we were um, we took we were number, I think, 17 in the amount of shots taken under 10 seconds. Um, little stuff like that, how mm-hmm. quick you're getting the ball, the pet ball, off the floor, how many shots you're getting in a game. And sometimes that's deterred because of schools like Villanova in our league, Butler, Creighton, they don't want to play at a high pace. So they're really slowing it down. When we played the Paul, which, you know, was our last game last year, you know, I think the score was 85, 82 or something like that. And, um, they want to have a lot of possession. So, you know, it's, it's trying to in, instill a certain tempo into the game and, not being a selfish team because I think we we're second or third in the league in assists last year, but really getting up and down the floor. And we're blessed with Lauren. Lauren gets the ball 94 feet faster than any guard I've ever coached. I mean, and she goes all practice. She doesn't slow it up ever. Um, and it's really hard to do that. And uh, she's got herself in great shape. She's a lot stronger. Um, she shoots the ball tremendously better now. She did not shoot the ball particularly well from three point range last year. She's, become a very good three-point shooter and like i said she's stronger so she finishes a lot better but it's her pace how fast she's getting the ball up and down the floor make or miss um it doesn't matter and i really noticed it a lot this summer because when we're doing our recruiting zoom calls we we um you know we wanted to talk about pace so i watched a lot of our film before that and i'm like wow this is really good and i'm watching our pace and so when i talked to recruits i was able to really instill that and we're we're getting better at it because we've only done this for two years and um, you know, you need to have players that want to do it as well. And and, and we do now. Well, one team that will, I presume let you play with pace because it's how they want to play is UConn, which comes into the league. You played them last year, just about a year ago, had a lead after one quarter wound up losing, but it was a very competitive game. I think you and Gino wouldn't mind sitting back and letting the racehorses go up and down the court. No, it was great, and, and and that was the thing. We were down six with five minutes to go in the game, and Alexis really struggled shooting the ball in that game. Um, you know, she gave us some other open shots because they were so focused on her, but that was a game I think Maya and Lauren, you know, combined for close to 40 points, and uh, their pace really, Connecticut struggled with it. They had to go zone, and they had to um, do a box of one on Maya. Um, so, you know, we, we instilled our pace, and Gino wants to play at that pace, which is great. So us, and you know, it, it makes for exciting basketball, but also makes for, you know, the other team to really have to focus on getting back on defense and really changing the way they play a little bit. So, no, our, our pace has is, is gotten better. I mean, these kids really get up and down the floor fast in practice. Um, we have a variety of drills. 
in fact, I, I hate to do it, but I'm doing a bunch of clinics coming up and uh, we show all our drills in the clinics. So, um, you know, it's good. And I actually, you know, all honestly, Matt, I got a lot of our pace drills from Connecticut. He okay. came and did a clinic at Iona years ago. And um, I, I knew him a little bit, but not great. And he sat with me for a long period of time. He gave me a whole um, uh, thing on on the pace. And we use those. He's got nine of them and we use probably six or seven of them, you know, each week. Um, so he's, he's helped me with the pace a lot. That's the one thing about uh, him. He does give, doesn't he? He loves oh. the sport. He's he's at inarguably the best program. I mean, Tennessee was there for the longest time, and Connecticut's not number one in the country. They're number three. But, right. I mean, Gino is the man. That program is it. And yet he's all about making the game better. He, he shares ideas. He He's uh, effusive in his praise of others. Yes. And people ask me, oh, you know, UConn's in your league. Are you upset? I said, no, because of who Gino and Chris Daly and Shay Ralph are, they are promoting not just Connecticut basketball, but the league they're in. So their promotion of the Big East has already helped us in recruiting. It's already helped us in, in, in media exposure. We had over 100 writers for Media Day. Now, you could say, well, they were there for UConn, but they were on my call as well, Matt. So I got asked a lot of questions and a lot of different things so I could promote my team and my players. And Gino's all about that. Gino doesn't talk about, oh, it's only Connecticut. He talks about the Big East and Connecticut. And that's why him and Chris and Shay are are just special people. It's it's a blessing to have them in our league for every other reason other than having to play them. (laughs) You know, know, but even playing them is great. We enjoyed our – like I scheduled them non-league. Like I didn't have to in these other years, but – they, they raise the intensity of your practices. They raise the intensity of your accountability for your kids. If you can compete even for a period of time against them, then you're going to be able to compete against anyone. I mean, last year we lost them by, I think, 14. Like I said, we were down six or five minutes to go. But then we played the game three days later. I'm like, oh, how are we going to bounce back? We won the game by 40, not because of anything other than our kids knew how high a level they needed to play. And we played so well. And so uh, th- that loss was quickly put behind you. Well, they're right around the corner, aren't they? December 6th uh, yes. at Walsh. Unfortunately, it will not be a sellout crowd and uh, yeah. a jam-packed building as it was a year ago. But nonetheless, the challenge will be there. And that's a shame, right? No fans. I, I, how do you think your players will react to that? I think they really, it's, it, you know, Walsh is great. We have obviously, as you know, as a Seton Hall alum, you know, everyone who's Seton Hall alum, Please pirate blue and we have some great great fans here and uh it's disappointing I, I think our kids have really been attached to our fans in fact one of our fans um the flins sent us um 14 uh, or 15 personal letters to all the kids i mean you don't get that too how often. nice is that um, huh it was amazing you know dennis and kathy are just amazing people um w- with that being said i think not having their parents here is really going to be troublesome for them and we're trying to find every different way our administration's working hard with the state to at least get our parents to be able to come to the mm-hmm. games because, you know, mom and dad sacrificed a lot um, throughout their career to get these kids to be able to play at the college level, financially, emotionally, time-wise. And um, we really want them to be able to do that. And having them watch uh, via Zoom like the NBA was able to do, et cetera, <laughs> it, it's not the same. No, it is no. not the same. They, they they have to be there. Well, we'll see what the state authorities say about that. Uh, it's such it's a situation that, that seems to change every day. Cases rise and there's a reaction to that. And uh, l- let's just hope the right decision is made. Uh, so who beats UConn? Will it be Seton Hall to inflict their first 
league loss in like forever. They 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 didn't lose a game in the AAC. Now I, I listen. DePaul's going to be tough. You'll give them a game. The Big East is not easy. But so who knocks them off? Yeah, that's a good question. This year is an interesting year for Connecticut. They have six new players out of their ten, so it's a unique unique Connecticut team. And I think I wish we had them in all honesty, a week later than we did. I mean, we were, you know, the Big East didn't do us any favors. They're putting us on the road at Butler on Friday night. So we're not going to get back here till you know, mid morning on Saturday and have, you know, you know, a, a walkthrough to prepare for Connecticut. And the reason I say, I wish we had them a little bit later or even a, a little bit earlier was they're, you know, they're going to need time to gel together. They don't get a scrimmage. They don't get an exhibition game. They don't get a ton of games to prepare for, you know, anybody. So, you know, I do think we have a relatively, I know we're young, but a veteran team, you know, Maya and Lauren understand what they're doing and Des is there and a couple of the other players, I think they're going to have significant roles have played before with us. Um, I would love to have gotten them, you know, just with, you know, not no preparation at all. Um, I, I think us, I, I do think the Paul, um, you know, one of the best programs in the country, I think Marquette returns four starters and they're very physical, um, which I don't know how you kind of respond to that because of their new kids. Um, you know, I always have so much respect for St. John's and Joe and uh, Creighton and Jim Flannery. I, I think, you know, any, you know, you never know in our league there, you know, I, I think for the next, I could be wrong and I don't mean this is a, anything, but I don't think they're going undefeated the next eight years like they did or the seven years like they did in the AAC. I mean, they can go seven straight years undefeated in the big East. That will be, that will be tremendous. Yeah. 118 and O in the AAC. I, that will yeah. not happen in the big East. No question. So who are some of those other players that will have uh, increased roles have to perform for Seton hall to excel this year? Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think the first kid is Alexia Lesh. She's been in great shape, about six, two forward that really started to play a good amount for us at the end of the year last year. She's improved a lot. I, uh, she's going to be a significant player for us. Um, she spaces the floor well. She can guard uh, three, fours, and fives. Um, and, you know, she's a tremendous three-point shooter, and she's a big kid. Um, Femi Fenuous is, we need production out of her. She's been injured a lot, though. Um, it, it's just been difficult to get her to practice because of her injuries. And uh, I think if she can stay on the floor, get on the floor, she's one of the best rebounders I've ever coached um, out of her area. Um, she's physical. She's tough. She's what we don't have. So we need her. Um, we have a transfer from Penn state. We're still working on getting eligible, which is, um, another story, another podcast. Um, but I do, I, I do think she'll be eligible. She came from, um, she's from West orange. Um, she's transferring back from Penn state after being there for a year. Um, uh, Maya Bembry, um, she's all time league scorer at West orange high school. She was all state. Um, she'll, she'll have a significant impact once we get her eligible. And our compliance department's done a tremendous job with that. It's just the NCAA is inundated with so many requests. Um, they need to get around to our requests so soon. Uh, otherwise, Coach Brazell is not going to be happy. <laughs> um, but uh, but she's a great kid. She'll be a good player. I think Jasmine Smith, the other senior you've talked about, I think she's got a tremendous chance to, to, be, to be effective for us. She's smart. She's shooting the ball much better. Uh, she understands how to play. Um, we need that, you know, and then obviously, you know, one or two, maybe the newcomers, freshmen. We'll see. We had a kid, Tertesia Dean, who we anticipated would start for us at the small forward spot. Um, ended up tearing her Achilles working out in um at our house in um in May. So that that hurt a little bit. I mean, she'll be very good for us next year. But you know, for this year, we could have used her. But those core kids, and you never know. There's always a surprise here. You know, Kayla Harris. Um, you know, uh, Victoria's um 
uh, Keenan, they, they, they both showed a lot of flashes. So we're going to need someone to step up. We really are. So where does Seton Hall fit in all of this? Do you think it's, it's almost crazy to ask that question, given so much of the unknown that faces you and, and the rest of the world. And, but you were predicted to finish six. That's just coaches poll. I mean, they got to put yep. names down and say, okay, this is what I think, but that doesn't mean anything at the end of the year. Assuming we get through all of this fairly well, uh, and COVID doesn't rear its ugly head and disrupt things too much on the college basketball scene. Where do you see yourself at the end of the year? I think if Maya Bembry is eligible, and I think if Femi Fenuis can give us, you know, play every play most games, then we're a top four team in the league. If Maya's not eligible, which would be shocking, criminal, and I could go on, I, I don't foresee that happening. And Femi were to not be able to play, which right now is, you know, up and down. I mean, she's, you know, she's got to get herself to stay on the floor. Then I think, you know, we're sixth, seventh place team. Um, you know, I, I do think we need, we need obviously Lauren and Maya to play well, which they will, um, you know, Des is, 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 is going to be really good. Um, but we need that, that Femi, that Maya, Alexi has got to play like she's played in practice because it gives us great size I think we could be a top four team and an NCAA team. I think there's no question we're going to get four teams in the tournament, at least from our league, maybe five. Um, but, you know, we got to have, you know, I'm being frank. We, we need Maya to play and we need Femi to play. We, we do. Because um, that puts slots everyone else into their prospective spots and gives us um, the depth we need. And I know you've explained that to the players, so there's no surprise if they're listening. They understand what no. they what they need to do. Uh, so the and, answer- and, Matt, and Matt, Matt, like, you know, that's why I say to the kids, you've got to be ready to have your number called. Alexia was, you know, Kayla Harris got to be ready to play. I mean, she's a sophomore in our program. She's got a lot of talent. Victoria, you know, has gotten so much better. But, you know, everyone gets slotted into a really good position when everyone's playing. When everyone's not, then either someone's going to have to step up, which I hope they will, or we're going to have a problem. And, you know, I'm a frank, honest coach. I, I believe in all our players and I believe we have a lot of depth. But, you know, we don't want to utilize that depth because people aren't playing we want to utilize that depth because we're playing three games in five days, four games in six days, because that's, what's going to happen at some point during the season. There's no question in my mind because of postponements due to COVID delays. Yeah. Yep. No question. That's why we need them all. You know, you lead me to a point I was going to bring up a couple of minutes from now, but I'll, I'll get into it where you talked about players being ready and, and when they're called and, what they can do. There was a, uh, a Twitter video in which you were addressing the team not too long ago. It was right after, I guess, uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris addressed the nation. And she talked about, you know, the young girls out there who look like her, first off, a woman, a woman of color, et cetera. They will be elated that they actually can see the results of the hard work. There is someone like them who sits in the seat of power. And you you use that as a teaching moment for your team. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you said and why it was important that you address the club in that way? I, I do. I think the players taught me a great lesson. When, when we had the George Floyd incident way back in the summer, I, I didn't reach out to them that day. Um, or the next day, because I, I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do. And then, you know, we had um, tremendous, um, you know, people like, you know, Des and, and Daniel Robinson, who who, who I, I think is also a kid who could really help us this year on the basketball floor. But 
helped me off the floor um, by talking to me, by explaining to me why it was important that I reached out to them. And I'm like, well, I'm so different. They're like, exactly. So, so that was a big thing and, and it taught me so much. And it was a very emotional time for, for our, our program and our family. Um, Cause you know, we are different, you know, I'm, I'm a white male, you know, I have some white females on staff, um, you know, it was just different. So the kids taught us a great lesson on, don't be afraid to reach out. Even if you don't know what to say, just reach out. So when Kamala Harris, you know, spoke, it was so interesting to me that that you know she she had the courage to step up and, and say this and and obviously to be put in a position of power like that. It just showed you know when she when she first started getting into politics, maybe her dream was to become vice president or hopefully maybe one day president. But there were a lot of people that told her that couldn't happen. So I said to our kids, this is not about politics. This is about following your dream. If your dream is to play in the WNBA, if your dream is to own your own company, if your dream is whatever, but don't set boundaries on yourself. Because if this woman set boundaries on herself or let other people set boundaries on herself, she never would have achieved what she's achieving. Not achieved, but achieving because she keeps getting more and more, you know, achievements. So I told our kids, listen, you know, I can just tell you, you're bright, you're smart, you're each different follow those dreams. And that's kind of what I focused on with our kids on this. Um, you know, we're a family here at Seton Hall. Those kids taught me so much way back. Um, and I want to just continue to um, instill confidence in them and belief in them that they could be anyone they want to be and do anything they can do. Well, pow- powerful words spoken by you and kudos to your team for being honest with you that yes. they wanted something else from you and they didn't get it right away. And look, we're, we're, we're all learning, aren't we? We are. And, you know, I'm blessed with a great staff as well, you know, um, from my director of basketball operations, Shalia Lyons, who started here as a manager to, to, you know, Lauren, Jose, Marissa, Pete, um, you know, they, they're all, you know, they're all, and when we put Didi on, Didi Simmons, the greatest player to ever play here on staff this year. Um, you know, we have a great group of, of people that help, that help these kids and help each other and help, we all help each other. But those kids made a difference in my life. And I said, I promise them, we've done a lot of, um, you know, um, group meetings and had a lot of speakers come in and we've learned a lot from the speakers and it's hard, you know, a lot of coaches don't want to put themselves out there and don't want to open themselves up to, um, you know, being criticized. I, I don't care about that. What I want is our program to be the best program it can be on and off the floor. So you have to open yourself up and sometimes you hear things you don't want to hear, but it can only help you in the future. And I think on the kids end, they've developed a, more of a trust because coach B is willing to, you know what, he's listening to anything. He's willing to put himself out there now. And I think that helps a lot too. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for Des and, and, and Danielle and, and, and Maya Jackson, Lauren Park Lane and the others that reached Kayla Harris all reached out to me. It was great. There are several other things we could talk about, but I think that's the perfect way to end our conversation, Tony, on, on that up note. All joined together as one family. Best of luck to you this season. Hopefully we'll have you on as the season rolls on and, you know, all those ingredients come together and Seton Hall is once again uh, making its name on the basketball court. Matt, thank you. And, you know, as, as a fellow alum, it means so much to me, you know, to, to be on your, your podcast because you could have anybody and uh, to have me is very humbling. Um, you know, and, and we know as alum, we're going to do everything we can here at Seton Hall to keep our kids safe, to put our kids in a, in a great, you know, position to be successful. I mean, we have a tremendous president, Dr. Nyer, and, uh, 
you know, between Pat Lyons and Brian Feltz, um, our leadership is is second to none. And that's why we're able to be achieve actually what we're achieving right now. I mean, literally we, we are set to play and, uh, it's, it's, it's scary, fantastic, exciting. You know, there's a lot of other words we can use, but you know, if that ball goes up to weeks from now in about an hour and a half and we turn it over i'm going to remember this conversation and say, i can't get mad on the first turnover second one maybe but not the first one you I get know. one shot that's yeah, it kids i, I, I do, I do. So, all right thank ta- again. Hey, tony thank um, you happy holidays to everyone covid 19 has caused the men's team at seton hall to pause its activities because of positive test results among what is called tier one personnel which includes players coaches staff and managers. So far, the women's team has been unaffected, and one only hopes that that continues, and that eventually the men get back on the court, and both teams are able to successfully navigate these crazy waters. And that will do it for this episode of Pirates Talk. Thanks again to Tony Bazella for coming on the show. Special thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the show's audio engineer and writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. You can subscribe to the program on your favorite podcast platform. And please leave a comment on what you would like to hear on a future show. And leave a review as well. Thank you as always for your company. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Pirates!